Yeah, we're in Nehemiah. We're in the we're in the second, third, and fourth chapter today. We're trying to get through uh, part two of what we want to cover in a three-part series on ministry. Three aspects looking into ministry. Now, some of you might be new to Bible study. You might be new to the Bible. You might be new to you know uh, these Old Testament stories. And whenever we talk about the Jews or we talk about Israel. Uh, it's, it's, it's not quite what it is today. It's not the same nation. Uh, it, it is the same nation in terms of uh, history. But going back 2,000 years, going back a few thousand years, we believe that God called a person. His name started with A. Abraham. Sorry? Aaron. God called a person named Abraham and asked him to step out in faith and that through him a promised seed would come and that seed as a as a protected nation would bring about that seed so that that seed would then be the savior of our of our sins so god didn't choose a nation he chose a man you getting this god didn't choose a, a, a race he chose a faith and as he brought a family into existence that family became a nation that nation then gave uh, the Lord Jesus to the rest of the nations and it was supposed to be a, a nation that would what would amalgamate or bring in lots of other nations so that's a bit of history there so whenever we talk about the Jews or Israel it's not because we favor one particular race or nation it's because it is part of the history of the Lord Jesus Christ is that okay got it okay and uh, doesn't mean we agree or disagree with whatever is happening right now. What we do know is that God brought about a man named Abraham who stepped out in faith. And through him, uh, the seed of the Lord Jesus was born to us. So, if you have problems with my, with my speed, just raise your hand and go, you know, say, so, say go slower. Okay? And if you have problems with the notes, then we got everything up on the uh, windows a little later. And you can, I can always pass you my notes or... PowerPoints. I don't want you to miss out on anything. And if you miss a word, don't freak out about it. Don't, don't worry. We'll come back to that. Just keep going so that you process your heart. And I believe God is already working in your heart, not only to bring you closer to himself, but also to kind of burden you with something that you are going to be, be, be part of, some bigger thing that you're going to be part of. So I praise God that two, three days into camp and we're already succeeding in that. All right. Last session, Nehemiah, the man, his burden and his courage. The man, the burden, and his courage. Today we begin to see the next steps Nehemiah takes to execute that burden, to move into uh, action uh, based on what God had told him. Ministry begins with a burden. We talked about that yesterday. Ministry begins with a burden. But the next step needs motivation. It needs motivation. Burden is good, but getting off your behind and getting to work and staying at it is a bigger challenge. Okay? So ministry begins with burden, but the next step, next immediate step is motivation. Where are you getting your drive from? Stop and think with me for just a minute. Where do you get your drive from? Your get up and go. Your get up and go. That thing that wakes you up in the morning and says, come on, let's do it. Come on, day, let's take it on. When your get up and go has got up and left, where do you turn for motivation? Where are you getting your drive from? Where are you getting your strength from? Where are you getting your courage from? Listen very carefully. If this is not clear, if you are not clear, if you're not plugged into a source, when tough times come, and they will, you will give in. You will give up. You will burn out. 
when I first learned to ride the West, the Lambretta many years ago, I ran out of petrol because we used to put five, five rupees, 10, 10 rupees petrol, right? I ran out of petrol. And then my father said, look down, there's a small switch over there. It's called reserve. And I'm like, dude, you could have told me this earlier. I have pushed this bike forever. You will run out. You will run into temptation. You will run into opposition. And when you do, do you know where the reserve switch is? Do you know where that extra strength comes from? Do you know where your backup is? If this is not clear, you will give in, you will burn out, and you will give up. So, as mentioned, as you read through the chapters, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, there's several chapters, there's a story of the rebuilding of the walls, you'll find that there's very little talk in all of Nehemiah about the rebuilding of the walls. The bricks, the mortar, the structure, the, the, uh, the, the line, the plumb line, you'll see very little of that. You'll see more about the motivation, about the opposition, about the peoples, about the problems, about the leadership. And that's what Nehemiah is about. The story of Nehemiah's ministry is riveted with the, with the issues of opposition, with opposition, discouragement, questioning, questioning of character, questioning of credentials. So, in your life, in your walk, in your relationships, in your career, in your little projects, your dreams, your ambitions, do you encounter opposition? Do you encounter discouragement? Do you encounter ridicule? People closest to you, people who you expect to lift you up, expect to say, yeah, go for it, do it. They're the very ones that are like, yeah, what, where did you get that crazy idea from? And all your balloon goes puss in that moment and you just, you just don't, you, now you don't know where to turn. Nehemiah experienced this. Those people, the Jews, experienced this. And we're going to look into that just a bit today. God gives us a life ministry. God gives us a life ministry. But he must remain the anchor, the empowerer, the source, the reason. Or your ministry will not be fruitful. Because it's not about the project. It's about the project giver. It's not about the project. It's about the one who calls you into work with him. So never, never does God give you a task, send you off into the wilderness and say, do it and come back. I'll give you to, you know, I'll give you a reward. Always when God calls you, always when he invites you, he invites you into a partnership relationship so that he is always the bigger partner. Do you get that? Why? Because he wants to take control of your life. <coughs> Excuse me. Because he want, Not because he wants to take control of your life, but because he wants to share with you what he's going to achieve he wants to share with you the dividends the returns of what he is going to do firstly he always succeeds firstly he always gets what he wants because he's god then he calls you into partnership with him and you get to share what he brings into uh into the pocket what he brings into uh the win that's a beautiful beautiful invitation jesus said it in a different way he said take my yoke for my yoke is easy and light. Why is it easy and light? Because the yoke is on two bulls, right? And he's the bigger bull. And you're just a lamb. So you're just hanging on. You're not doing anything to support this thing. 
And he's carrying the weight and the, the burden and the responsibility for it. But at the end of it, he goes and shares 50 with you. That's incredible. That's incredible. So let's get into it. Chapter 2. How are we doing for time? 9.30. Oh good, we have three hours. <laughs> chapter 2. I don't want to read all of the three chapters, chapter 2, 3, and 4, because we're going to scan through it real quick, but have your Bibles available anyway. Uh, but chapter 2, verse 10. Sanballat the Horonite. Remember we, f- we finished up at verse 9 yesterday? Yes? Okay. So you pick it up in, in verse 10, and now you're looking at something good has happened. He's gotten kind of into it, but verse, two, verse 10 of chapter 2 says, Sanballat, or Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials, heard about this. These are the guys who were on the, on the ground. They were already there. And they were very much disturbed that circle someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. As long as these guys were suffering and they were just kind of being slaves and you know they were not getting anything done, they, they were absolutely fine with it. As long as their lives were not going anywhere, they were absolutely fine with it. As long as they were not any competition or any threat to you, they were fine. Are you getting what I'm going where I'm going with this? Yes? The moment somebody had started feeding their ego, feeding their skills, feeding their, uh, their motivation, they got a little worried and circled someone. Someone had come. Someone had come. Verse 11 through 16 says, Nehemiah did a personal inspection of the, st- of the state of the walls and the gates. So Nehemiah books his MMT, make my trip. He comes into town, checks in, okay, and then he takes a donkey uh, Uber uh, donkey, and he goes for a ride late, late at night. Late, late at night. So he hasn't told the opposition that he's there. He hasn't told even his people that he has come. He hasn't told the whole world what ministry he plans to do. Mm, got it? And he quietly goes, takes his donkey, and he surveys all the gates. So you got wall, 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 gate, wall, 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 gate, wall, 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 gate, wall, 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 gate. Have we, anybody know how many gates? This is not Ananiketan. <laughs> okay, there were 12 gates. Okay. Anyway, forget that. Don't worry about that. It's just once you start getting the names, you'll get really messed up. They got like Dungate and all that. I don't know what to do with that. So he goes, he inspects the walls, inspects the gate, inspects the walls, inspects the gate, and then he does his run and comes back. And they are threatened because someone has come to look after the welfare of the Israelites. Nehemiah did a personal inspection of the state of the walls and the gates. And then verse 17 says, he then tells the leadership around, see, he gives evidence, he gives proper facts, he gives proper photographs. He took his iPhone with him. He got the entire shot with the 360 and everything. And he says, you see, we have trouble here. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. He gives an actual factual account. He gives an actual factual account of what is going on. What is the real need? You don't get into a ministry without studying the need, studying the demographics, studying the, 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 the purposefulness of this ministry. We don't start a ministry just so that we can get some attention, so that we can, it looks like we're doing something great for God. 
Ministry should always be a direct response to a proper need, a real need, an actual need. So when he gives this factual account with his PowerPoint presentation to the people, says, see, the walls are actually broken down. Look at the state of the gates. See how they've been burned down. The people turn around and say, come on, let's rebuild. Come on, let's rebuild. They were, they, were, they were brought into the partnership with Nehemiah because they saw the need as well. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? So the leader must always bring people into the partnership with him, into the vision with him when they see the need. It's not serving the leader, it's serving the need. I'm going to repeat it so you get it. It's not about serving the leader, making the pastor or the director or the, or the, or the, or the boss or the chief or the CEO, the, the, the star. It's about serving the need. It's about serving the need. When you pick a career, you should be talking about what need that company is meeting. When you pick a, a, a career, when you pick a vocation, talk about what need, what purpose is that, uh, that uh, project going to meet. Okay, so come, let us rebuild. Come, let us rebuild. Let's talk about confidence. Confidence comes when your motivation is plugged in. Confidence is seen in our response to God's call. Number one, confidence is seen in our response to God's call. Look at verse 18. Okay, we looked at 17. Uh, he says, let's, let's get together. Come, let us rebuild. Verse 18 says, also I told them, I also told them the gracious hand of my God was on me and what the king had said to me. That's very important. That's very, very important. That's very important because slogans are not going to get you anywhere, anywhere. Slogans are not going to get you anywhere. Come, let us rebuild. Sounds like a, like a political campaign, isn't it? But then he says, I also told them, what? That the gracious hand of my God was on me. No, that wasn't just a spiritual statement. He said, let me tell you what happened. Let me, tell, let me tell you what happened. These fellows from Judah came and they told me what all was happening. And I was very, I cried and cried for days. I mourned and mourned for days. And I fasted and I prayed. And I, said, and I wasn't, I wasn't going to come. I wasn't going to come. But then I, uh, I was just thinking, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And then God said, you're the man. You're the man. And then, then I went to the king. I was very sad. I was very sad. Was and the king said, why are you sad? And I said, how do you know that I'm sad? Because you're always happy. And I said, why are you sad? Must be a sadness of heart. Tell me what. And he says, What do you want? He said, What is you? He pointed at me like that. What did you want? And I said to him, Me? You're asking me? And I told him the whole story. He won't believe. He gave me letters. He gave me letters for the office fellow, for the forest fellow. He gave me that. And I came and I said, You won't believe what God has been up to. You won't be. Tell the story. Tell the burden. Tell the vision. Tell how that burden was born. Tell what God has been up to. Tell what God has already accomplished. Tell about the faithfulness of God. And as you tell about the faithfulness of God, then you say, come, let us rebuild. And they're like, got it. I'm with you. I'm with you. If God's with you, I'm with you. Are you getting this? If God's with you, I am with you. Exodus chapter 33, Moses says to God, he says, come on, God, if you don't go ahead of us, how will the nations know that we are your people? How will the nations know that we are your people? How will they be scared of you? In Joshua's time, we were just studying not too long ago, people were scared of the nation of Israel, not because they were the best or strongest, but because God was with them. God's going to entrust you a ministry, and people are going to join with you in your ministry, not because you're so cool and you got the best latest haircut, or you got a 50% discount on your haircut, so therefore they only cut half the head. <laughs> 
God's not going to give you a ministry that has to do with you, that has to do with you bringing people together in your charisma and your leadership. God's going to give you a ministry at the heart and, the, and anchor it down to the deepest part of your weakness. He says, are you broken? You're going to fix people. Are you stupid? You're going to teach people. Are you weak? You're going to help lift people up. He's ridiculous, God. He just takes your weakest spot and he makes that his ministry. Why? Because the moment he gives you a ministry based on your strength, you'll turn around and say, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm the best, I'm the greatest. And you'll probably name your ministry after yourself. Confidence comes when you take the story back to where God has led you. And people see, if God's been with this guy, I want to stick with him. I want to stick with him. Some Sports people join, some sportsmen uh, and women, they join a team based on who the coach is. You get that? Based on the winning streak of that team. Based on the record of that team. And what he is telling his people, he says, I had a good record. God's been with me. God's been with me. And they replied, come, yes, let us start rebuilding. And the Bible says, so they began a good work. So they began a good work. Circle that, underline it, highlight it. They began a good work. My brothers and sisters, you can pick a career that will be just work. <laughs> you can pick a career that will be a job. Okay, But when God gives you a ministry, it's a good work. It's a good work. Take that word deeply. Good work doesn't mean, oh, five on five. Oh, ten on ten. That's not that good. When he says good work, he's saying God is good. Only God is good. So a good work, come on, put the formula together. If God is good and the work is good, it is God's work. And God's work needs God's strength, God's strategy, God's wisdom, God's presence. Confidence is seen in our list in response to God's call. So he says in verse 19, Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, they mocked and ridiculed. <laughs> what is this you are doing? What is this you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? What kind of a plan is this? The king destroys you and you are trying to rebuild the whole thing. And verse 20 he responds, he says, The God of heaven will give us success. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. Where does your confidence come from? How do you know you are going to get to the end? How do you know you're going to finish the task? How, do you going to, how are you going to get through the oppositions and the cynicism and the ridicule of a mother or a father or, or, or a parent or a loved one or a teacher or schoolmates or colleagues or superintendents or superiors at your workplace who want to put you down, who say words that cut you, beat you, tear you apart, they, 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 they drain your motivation. Every morning you have to see their face and hear their voice and they drain your motivation. I'm not talking about everybody. This is probably someone's story. Otherwise God wouldn't give it to me to say it. The God of heaven will give us success. You don't stand and say, Hey, I have never lost a game. I will succeed. We are his servants. We his servants will start rebuilding. Let me, let me show you what Proverbs says. Proverbs 2 verse 6 through 8 says, For the Lord gives what? Wisdom. Wisdom. From his mouth comes what? Knowledge and understanding. He holds 
success in store for the upright. Underline it. Underline it. That's a verse for you. He holds success in store for the upright. Then he goes on to say, he is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. Whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. If you've got God's job description from there, if you've got what he gets, he does all day. Look at what he says. He gives wisdom. His mouth, uh, uh, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk and walk is blameless. He guards. What a beautiful God. What a wonderful God. That was Proverbs chapter 2. Let's go to chapter 3. Chapter 3 I'm not going to read. It's very boring. I tried reading it this morning. You know why it's boring? It's like a fact report. And this, at this gate was, was let me, no, I don't even remember the words. Let me read a bit of it. Because you look so excited, I want to bore you a little bit. I don't want you to look so excited. Where's Nehemiah? Eliashib, the, uh, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. You get what I'm saying with this? Sheep gate, they dedicate. Three, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors in. Verse 6, the Deshna gate was repaired, repaired by Joada, jo, Joya, jo, jo, the son of Mishnum, son of They laid its beams and put its doors in their boots and the bars in place. Verse 13, the valley gate was repaired by Honad. Nehemiah, what is the reason for this whole long chapter? Why did you have to take everybody's name and give credit to absolutely everyone for what they did? Why did you have to go and write their name on the, on the sheep gate and say, this was done by this family. These people were the one that built this. One whole chapter dedicated to acknowledging the ministry of those who stood with you. Those who stood with you. All right. Chapter 3 basically describes the division of labor from gate to gate to gate to gate. Tribes and clans took up each segment of the wall and began work to rebuild it. Move to chapter 4. Chapter 4. Again, there is opposition and ridicule. Again, there is opposition and ridicule. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Sanballat heard the rebuilding effort was on. He heard about it and he became angry and incensed. Ooh. And he ridiculed the Jews Circle and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said. You did you note that? In the presence, I'll come back to that. In the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? What, what are they up to? Will they restore the wall? We have raised it to the ground. What do, will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in one day? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? From this absolute pile of rubble, are they going to raise a city? Does that sound familiar? Well, not to you. I mean, like, you're not trying to build any wall. You can't even build a fence, some of you. But does the ridicule sound familiar? What are you going to do? You can't even light a stove. You're going to go to the other end of the world. You can't cross the street properly. What are you going to do? 
You can't even study for two hours in a stretch. You can't even study, can't get this much marks also. What, what, do, you, what do you think you're going to do? Does that sound familiar? Does ridicule sound familiar? Do you know who all get ridiculed? Everybody. Everybody gets ridiculed. Except little babies maybe. But they got it coming soon. So Sanballat, he ridicules. Tobiah gets up and pitches in. What are they building? What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break it down. <laughs> Let me take you to 1 Chronicles 28, verse 19 through 21. David also said to Solomon, his son, David talks to his, his son, father talking to his son, he says, be strong, son, and courageous, and do the work. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid. These are the words that must come from a father. These are the words that must come from a father. Because you need to hear these words from a father. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. Look at that. Look at that. No, I am with you. Don't worry. I have lots of money. I have lots of... I will give you this. I will take care of you. He says, you be courageous. You be strong. Because the Lord, my God, is with you. The God of my father, God of my father, God of my father, God of my father. That's where faithfulness comes from. The understanding that God has been with my grandfather. He's been with my father. He's going to be with me. And he's going to be with my son. So I say to my son, son, go. Accomplish anything you want to. For the God who is with me will go with you. Don't be discouraged and don't fear. We need fathers. We need men who will become fathers, men who will become husbands, men who will become leaders, men who will become brothers that you can trust. He will not fail you and forsake you. This is the God I know until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. That time Solomon was trying to build the temple. David continued to address Solomon. He says, take charge, take heart. Don't be anxious. Don't get discouraged. God, my God is with you. He won't walk off. Oh, I love that. And he won't leave you in the lurch. He's at your side until every last detail is completed for conducting the worship of God. Oh, for a father like that. So who's, who's, who's ridiculing? Sanballat is ridiculing. Tobiah is ridiculing. This is verse 4. Nehemiah's response to the ridicule. Nehemiah's response to the ridicule. So he got out there, he tore his clothes and said, Madhikatan, come on, what are you trying to say? Madhikatan, I'm caught king, I got forest, I got land. This is what he says. He turns to God and he says, Hear us, O God, for we are being despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. We are their captives. Give them over as plunder to those who are in captive. Turn the whole thing around, O oh God. When people ridicule you, turn it around and make it your point of prayer. Don't respond to ridicule. Don't respond to criticism. Don't respond to. In our gut reaction, in our egos, in our anger, in our impulsive behavior, we quickly respond. And that gets us into a whole lot of trouble and you end up saying all the wrong things. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. 
turn their insults back on their own heads. Okay, so confidence comes from? Number one, confidence comes? Confidence seen as response to God's call. Okay, number two, confidence is preserved. Confidence is preserved. Confidence is preserved when we grumble to God instead of man. Confidence is preserved when we grumble to God instead of man. They ridiculed us, but instead of grumbling back, he turns it. Look at what Psalm says. Psalm 9 verse 4. You have heard my complaint. You sat on your throne and judged by what was right. 28, 6 and 7 says, Praise the Lord because he heard my prayer for help. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust he helps me. 1 Peter 5 or 6 and 8 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your, casting all your, casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. And the people said, say what you have to say. We're going back to work. Everybody got back to work. Chapter 4 verse 6. So we rebuilt. We rebuilt the wall. You will get distracted. You will get uh, torn away a little bit. You, you'll get a little bit you know, low every now and then. But get up, get back to work. Get up, get back to work. Get up, get back to work. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height for the people worked with all their hands. Wow, you guys are really tuned out. For the people worked with all their hearts. What were they doing? What were they doing? Building a wall. How do you build a wall with a heart? How do you build a wall with a heart? How do you build a wall with a heart? Because it's about motivation more than it is about mortar. It's about motivation more than it is about brick and mortar. Okay, so... They got back to work. They built the walls with all their heart. 4 verse 10. The strength of the laborers was running out. There was too much rubble. Uh, verse 11 and 12 says, People are threatening to attack us. There are so many directions from which they can come upon us. So Nehemiah stations families in turn to protect them. So here's what's happening. While they're working, people were attacking them. While they were working, people were coming up against them. They were, can you imagine? You're trying to do something and someone is knocking you off. Someone is ridiculing you. Someone is hurting you. Someone is, so they actually said... 50-50. Let's go 50-50. 50% of you do the work. 50% of you stand guard. And then switch. 50% of you do the work. 50% of you stand guard. You can have a trust in God, but you should also just have a strategy on the ground. Got it? You have a trust in God, but also have a strategy on the ground. Don't be so ridiculous that you say, oh, I totally trust in God. Ouch! What are you doing? Oh, I totally trust in God. No, God only will like, hey, how did I fail here? You trust in God, you put your motivation in God, you believe his promises, but you also get to work. You also put hard work in. You also give it your best. You also put every skill and every bit of yourself into your work. Verse 14 says, Nehemiah reminds the people, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, your wives and your homes. He kept on motivating them, kept on motivating them. Who is that in your life, brother and sister? Who is that in your life? Who, whose voice do you have in your life? Who's a constant motivator? Who's always there to tell you, remember who called you into ministry? Who is the one who strengthens you, will give you success. If you don't have a motivator, if you don't have a coach, if you don't have a small group leader, 
if you don't have a discipler, if you don't have a cheerleader, when you give up, nobody's going to come after you. Nobody's going to come after you. You can curse and swear and say, oh, the, the church, the church, they don't care for the church, they don't care for me. I told you to join a small group. Oh, the church, they didn't come after me, they don't show any love. I told you to get disciplined. I told you to make a commitment. I told you to sign a covenant. I told you to get in a small group. I told you to come under a discipleship. I told you to get some habits. I told you how we grow people. I taught and taught and taught. Month after month after month, I taught and taught. And when Satan takes you out, or your own habits take you out, or your own coldness takes you out, you can't turn around and tell the church, where were you? What happened? The church is not a babysitting program or a crash to, to keep babies walking. To keep babies walking. The church is an army training camp. Because we're about to go to war. Or we're coming from a war. Or we've been between wars. So when people want to stay, sit at the back in their tents and shine their shoes. Or they want to go walk about in the middle of training. We let them. We let them. Until God gives them the realization that they are not walkabout sojourners, they are soldiers of the cross. Are you getting where I'm going with this? We are not here to cajole, cajole people who can't understand that they're in an army. We are here to take on an, an enemy with an army that's well trained. With an army that's well trained. So when the occasion comes, it will be those who are equipped and trained and ready and alert who will go to war. And they are the ones who will see God's work accomplished. Nehemiah reminds, remember the Lord God who is great and awesome. Who is your Nehemiah? Who is your leader? Don't say your pastor. That's not my job. Who is the one who is keeping you up in your spiritual life? Lastly, confidence comes from faith in action. Confidence comes from faith in action. The enemies figured it wouldn't work. They kind of gave up on it. God had frustrated their plans. So he says, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work, and we got on with it. Ridicule is not forever. Ridicule is not forever. It comes and it goes. So here's what you need to be aware of. Don't be alarmed that it comes. Okay? But don't be discouraged that it's going to stay forever. It's going to come and it's going to go. And sooner or later, your trust in God is going to prevail and your enemies and your ridiculers and your criticizers will realize you can't touch this guy, you can't touch this woman. She is God's person, she, he is God's man and they are going to succeed. They will sooner or later back off. The enemies figured it out and they backed off. I like verse 18 of chapter 4. Verse 18 of chapter 4 says, they always had their sword next to them. They always had their sword next to them. What does that mean? They were doing the work, but they were always alert. They were always alert for attack. And what is the sword? This is the sword. Your confidence and your, your defense weapon is what God has said. What God has said. So confidence number four is in choosing whom you fear more, God or man. Your confidence is who you choose to fear more, God or man. Do you know what? We are wimps. We are wimps. We all are. God has made us in such a way that we 
rest on him completely. But the problem is when we misplace that fear and we give that fear to somebody else. And we assign that fear to somebody else. We, we empower someone else by fearing them. And we choose to fear man more than we choose to fear God. Then we will see defeat. So that's number four. All right. Let's, let's close this. It's a good work. It's a good work. And if it's a good work, it's, there's going to be opposition. Your motivation is God's glory. Your confidence is God's guarantee. He will give you success. So listen to me. It isn't you who is being opposed. It isn't you who is being opposed. It is the good work that is being opposed. So stop whinging and whining and get back to work. Did you hear that? Stop whinging and whining and get back to work. And for those of you who have never started the work, Stop whinging and whining and get to work. So I say to you, this morning God calls us into his work. This whole series is about ministry. It's about everybody being involved in ministry. And the Bible says, uh, here the verse says, come let us rebuild. Come let us rebuild. In our church, what are we rebuilding? What are we rebuilding? We're not building buildings. Because we can't take it to heaven with us. What are we rebuilding? Broken lives. You always rebuild something that is broken. What are we rebuilding? Broken lives. Listen very carefully as I close. Just one minute. I'm going to ask you one more time. In church, we have a ministry. Every ministry must be doing one thing. Doing what? Rebuilding. Every ministry must be doing one thing. What is that? Rebuilding. What do you rebuild? That which is broken. We're not building buildings. We're not building stairways. We're building people. People are broken. So if you're going to have a ministry that rebuilds people, broken people, what kind of people are God going to bring to you? Broken people. So what kind of a community should we be where broken people will even want to come to us? Oh, you're already broken. What Next. What kind of people ought we to be so broken people are drawn to us? I can't hear you. Accepting, accepting, loving, kind, non-judgmental, non-condemning. Rebuilt. Oh, that's a beautiful one. Rebuilt. Why would broken people come to other broken people? Yeah? A drunkard can't help another drunkard. But a drunkard who's, who's recovered can celebrate his recovery and help another person get up. I love that. Because it takes vulnerability and honesty and openness to say, I was screwed up as well. You know, my marriage was a mess. My health was a mess. My addictions were a mess. My mind was a mess. But this is what God has done for me. And when a broken person comes into a community of people who have been rebuilt, he'll be, okay, great, this is good. Maybe I... And broken people who are rebuilt will never judge broken people. It's people who never thought they were broken who, who judge broken people. So whenever you judge, what you're actually saying is, I'm never broken. So you're actually ridiculing the cross because the cross is for broken people. So what are you doing in the church? Please leave. Got it? 
So going back there, you have a ministry. You don't know what it is yet. Some of you know what it is. Some of you haven't yet started. The Bible says, come, let us rebuild. What do we rebuild? That which is broken. What are we building? People. People are, uh, are broken. And they are the ones who are to be rebuilt. So every ministry in our church must be about rebuilding people. What ministry is God going to give you? God's going to give you... Okay. Suppose you had a bike and the bike broke down. And you fixed that bike. Now what are you good at helping other people with? Yeah. So if you rebuilt your bike and God helped you to rebuild your bike by the power of God, when you come into ministry, he's not going to give you a baking ministry to bake muffins. He's not going to give you that. He's going to give you. So when you come into ministry, you come in asking, what was my mess? What was my problem? What has God helped me with? Is there anybody else I can help with that problem? Got it? And that's where ministry begins. What did he do? He went around and he saw what was broken. On his donkey he took a ride and he saw what was broken. Do the rounds and God will show you your ministry. May the Lord bless you.